0: I've got some great news for Football Nation radio listeners. Our supportive partner, Northern Motor Group, is offering $250 off any in-stock vehicle this end of financial year. That's if you take delivery before the 30th of June. With eight big car brands, MG, Nissan, Kia, Isuzu Ute, Jeep, Ram, Samsung, Peugeot and Pacific Caravans, it's literally a one-stop shop for all your driving needs. Plus, with over 150 quality pre-owned vehicles, Northern Motor Group really does have your next vehicle purchase ready and waiting. Don't wait. Visit www.northernmotorgroup.com.au today. They're in Grimshaw Street, Bundura and tell them George sent you. LMCT 6595. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, welcome to another edition of uh, Sustainable Football Nation. Very quick uh, off the draw there.
1: No, well, I realised I I didn't give you the correct cue in, so I thought (laughs) I would never, I'm not going to...
0: Pakua Frimpong, (laughs) as my co-host and pilot uh, each and every week, does miraculous things. You've been, I know, very, very excited. Of course, you're being an Arsenal girl. Declan Rice just signed for £105 million. What does that translate in, in Australian dollars? About Too much ten money. million.
1: Too much money, George. That's crazy stuff. It is. It's but but you much like you know it's it's the English player tax. If he oh, was yeah. if he was yeah, yeah, yeah. if he was from anywhere else in the world, he wouldn't cost that much amount of money. And that's what I I always find it particularly funny when the English media go, "Why are they spending so much oh, money yes. on this player when they know precisely yeah, the reason no, no, is no, the no, fact no, that we're getting him from a Premier League team and he is an English player, so that's why." it's going yep. to cost that much. If it was but, from Italy... My
0: goodness me.
1: If it was Italy, no more than It was. Million.
0: It was an auction for about two minutes, wasn't it, with uh, Man City?
1: I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist, oh, George. In you this. think they
0: just I think decided they to spend spend uh, a little bit of entree money yes. to get the price pumped I up? Do. So they, they make sure that Arsenal couldn't buy anybody else. No,
1: I, I, I think that Arsenal can buy somebody else, but I also think it's a case of... Yeah. They, yeah, okay. because because they, George, they made one, They made one bid, and that one bid cost Arsenal. I th- we've changed the guarantee. You know, you're money talking.
0: You know, you're talking my my language. <laughs> Anything about disruption right now is right in my wheelhouse. And uh, I think you may be right. City may well have gone into the stakes just to see how far Arsenal would stretch. But congratulations, yeah, big call. Uh, Welcome to State of Our Football Nation. Uh, The state of play in Britain is that most of the world, most of the world is uh, gearing up for a brand new EPL season. The NPL games continue, of course, right across Australia. The Australia Cup is continuing, another round of matches coming up. Some fabulous games were played overseas in Thailand. The under-17s competition and Australia, I thought... Showed some real flair. Yes, didn't quite get the last result they needed. Ran into an exceptional Japanese site. And it just goes to show you they're alert, they're fast, um, they're pretty clinical, and they know how to play football. So um, that's probably why we're seeing more and more Asian footballers making their presence uh, felt and seen uh, around the globe. Um, by the way, there's a very big um, uh, opportunity uh, in Perth in a couple of weeks' time. Was it three weeks now? Perth Stadium will yeah. see Tottenham yeah. against West Ham. It'll be the first, I suppose, game in, um, uh, for, um, what would you call it, points?
1: Yeah, for points, yeah. Well, it's for bragging rights. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, but it'll be Ange Postacoglu's first outing in yeah. the uh, Spurs colours
1: as no, the I, boss I, and i also think it's perfect it it's perfect for ange it's perfect for tottenham just to build just to build uh you know a bit of just positive news around tottenham and just to uh feel get the get it looks like fans are more involved cuz he, when he gets to when he gets to perth he's going to receive such a warm you know reception and it's going to fill a lot of tottenham fans with a lot of positivity heading into next season as well
0: well, look, uh, we've got a couple of guests uh, we've lined up to try and catch up and talk about some of the action that happened both in Thailand and, of course, our second guest is um, uh, Nick uh, Galatas, who's the head honcho of um, the AFC, who are gearing up. Things are getting closer and closer to a national second division. Nick will tell us a bit more about that, and he's also uh, one of the par- one of the people in the lineup at um, uh, Money & Sport, which is happening on the Gold Coast at Star Casino next week. Uh, We'll talk about that also very, very shortly. But let's take a break, uh, an opportunity to uh, provide our sponsors with some very important feedback and um, a little bit of uh, good news from the Northern Motor Group with the financial year very quickly winding down. You're listening To the state of our football nation on FNR. Uh, You know things are hotting up when there is a trophy tour of the Women's World Cup. 21 days to go and the uh, trophy is uh, doing the rounds. It's in Queensland. Um, It's going to Brisbane, Moreton Island and of course the Sunshine Coast before it wraps up on the Gold Coast. I think on Saturday... Yep. So, everybody knows very much that the Women's World Cup is happening, and it's happening really soon. And there are two places to be: Australia and New Zealand. Absolutely. Are you excited?
1: I'm. <laughs> you are over <laughs> yeah, the moon. I'm aren't over you? the moon. And I think that uh, we're doing a lot more in the last few weeks of doing, making public the public yeah. aware of it yeah. with the. Announcement: that they're doing the stuff on the Sydney Harbour Bridge and things yep, like that. Just, that was amazing. I think they it's closed really important. Like, the more of it, it's on the news, the more people think about, oh, I might just go to one game and have a look.
0: I was going to say, was, timing is always the issue. You don't want to go out too early because then you're sort of, you're talking about it, talking yeah. about and it, it winds up. This way, we're, we're now in the final straight. Exactly. It, it's not quite as long as the Flemington straight, <laughs> but they're coming home with a wet sail and uh, dare I say it, don't miss it. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for a great number of people. It's and, the original trophy. Yeah. And you can get up close and personal. And I don't
1: think people realise how big a World Cup is. You know, just if you think the women's football is at a one stage, but World Cups of football, they matter and people show up and show
0: out. 100%. And this is the, I think this is going to be the biggest women's World Cup thus far in history. So. That's sensational. Absolutely, um, women's sport is coming along in leaps and bounds. Um, you don't you don't have to listen to us. Just look and see how much space the women are getting, and rightly so. They've been held back uh, artificially for quite some time. There, you know, it was almost like a handicap race for a while. We tied one hand behind your back. Then we tied two hands behind your back. But the movement uh, is well and truly underway, and uh, I'm excited. To think that our Matilda's given given a little a sl- little slice of luck because we need it in every sport, don't we? They could go, they could do something magical.
1: They certainly mind could.
0: you, mind you, you and I will be uncontrollable if they do <laughs> something magical.
1: Oh, uh, if the Matildas, uh, <laughs> you know. Just able to, I I, I would think that it was important. Is if the Matilda is able to make a quarterfinals, yep. I think that is a yep. huge win yeah. and a, yeah, yeah. a huge boost for. And any further along, that's is, that's is an, gravy. It's a isn't bonus, it? oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think that's you know we just don't want to see them out you know early in the competition. No, so I no, think no, it, it hurts, no, no, um, but yep. I think we've got a squad that's capable of doing it. I've, I've seen recently the England squad have had some people have to be pulled out of the tournament. Um, which if we were to finish second in our group, we would face them right. uh, if they were to finish top of their group. And that kind of you know helps us out a little bit along the way. But obviously you don't want to see players injured at I all. I
0: love it when you're doing all this close study and you've been doing the sums and you've been running the the lineups and looking at all the option plays. You know, the only, only other person I know who's been able to do that has been Pablo Batterson, who went off to, to Thailand and he said to me, I reckon I can do some uh, reports for FNR if you guys can get off your uh, your butt. Uh, it took us a little while to get off our butt, but um, the one thing I can assure you, uh, Pablo did not wait. He jumped, he got into Thailand, and he watched the under-17s um, uh, launch their campaign, um, and I'm wondering what he made of it uh, now that he's back home. By, by the way, um, Pakua, If we talk to him, let's do it slowly because he's still recovering. Uh, He doesn't know what time zone he's in. Uh, Pablo, welcome to FNR. (laughs) Thanks for making this happen. Hello. Uh, What time zone are are we in at the moment? Come on, check, check. Tell me.
2: Uh, I'm adjusting and I (laughs) I had a small dose of melatonin last night, George. Oh, that will slow you down a little bit.
0: That'll make you very Uh, cruisy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to help with adjustment, and I got some good e- expert advice from my local pharmacist, so yeah. I trust in
0: that. Yes, well, as long as it was pure, you'll be all right. You'll be you'll be doing very well. Thank you very much. Listen, welcome back. Uh, very, very wonderful to to know that there are Australians with great passion and great and great um, um, need to see our young stars in the flesh. Uh, how were the conditions over there for you? The, I know watching the boys play uh, every, was it every half an hour, they had them stopping and uh, hydrating and making sure that they had plenty of water in their system. What did you make of the competition and the quality of play?
2: Um, well, I think our own performances were a little patchy and that cost us in the end. However, there are many positives and we certainly uh, bounced back when we played uh, China, uh, although <laughs> notwithstanding we had some scares when they made a bit of a comeback late <laughs> in, the, in the, just before the break and then early in the second half when we really should have had the game so well sewn up. But look, the conditions were very trying for both players support staff and the fans, high humidity, heat. And I, I look, I have to question, it was diabolical. We got four 5 p.m. kickoffs, four out of four games at 5 p.m. in the summer, uh, the heat and humidity of Thailand. Now, I can't work out how that, 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 that was planned uh, by the AFC, but that's, that's what we got. And, and I think it, it really drained everybody that little bit more. So that was very testing uh, from the first two games in Chonburi. to then coming back to Bangkok and then playing the quarterfinal uh, at the uh, BG Stadium in Pathum Thani.
0: I thought the pitches also uh, were, were a bit of a problem too. There were some heavy pitches which made it very difficult to play that lovely free-flowing football that the boys are capable of, uh, of, uh, of playing.
2: Yes, yeah, certainly. In Shamburi, uh, very early on, it, it was uneven bounce. It was very heavy. Uh, and, and that's a problem with many Thai pitches, uh, which I've seen 1st in club matches as well over there. Because, as you know, my partner's Thai and I've seen a lot of football in Thailand over the last six or seven years – But then when we got to BG Stadium in Patentani for the quarterfinal, that pitch was excellent and a lovely stadium. So I don't think it had an impact there. But certainly in Shamburi and at the big stadium in Bangkok as well, uh, uh, the Raja Man- Man- Oh, I can never get that pronunciation <laughs> right. I'm not gonna, And I'm not going to try because the way we pronounce it isn't yeah. the way the tides. No, uh, that's My true. wife ke- keeps reminding me about that. Uh, so, yeah, that, you know, and when you're playing backing up every three or four days, that takes its toll as well. So it's a real
0: challenge for the players and the conditioning staff. Uh, I was just going to say to you, uh, I thought, as you said, the conditions for the quarterfinal uh, the, the pitch looks uh, spectacular, and the ball ran, uh, uh, you know, very quickly across the pitch. No worries there at all. But that match three days earlier, I won't call it a bog, but it was certainly a very heavy pitch, and I reckon that would have taken something out of the boys, especially Irukunda, who's been explosive all year. You, you saw him struggling to get to some some parts of that ground. Yeah,
2: uh, and that doesn't suit Nestor's uh, style of play quite clearly. Uh, but we saw he came alive in the quarter final. He kept us in the game. Some uh, brilliant finishing. Uh, and uh, look, it it was a, there were two turning points when we got back to two one in the quarter final. It could if we'd got them to extra time, maybe we with our conditioning uh, staff and everything we would have been up for. For finishing it off, but then of course we—it was a sucker punch, and you which you kind of come to expect with Japanese national teams. <laughs> Brilliance—the number ten for Japan, yeah, very good. Uh, Was that Sato? I think yeah. uh, absolutely brilliant. He was the the best player on the park for my, for my uh, thinking, uh, and we were outplayed technically. I think George, that's something we've got to accept: the fluency, the transition uh and the poise on the ball right from the back line right through the midfield to to up front you and mentioned something...
0: sorry yeah. i was going to say you mentioned sucker punch uh, i thought that that first goal was was the sort of goal that cracks defenses and breaks morale it, it was uh, basically a, a, a cross ball it bounced it, it bounced over the center half or this or the central defender and our next header was a totally um, off balance and it played straight into their striker, who just took a moment and put it right where he needed to, and that sort of set us back on our heels, didn't it? Oh,
2: absolutely, deflating, and on the terraces, the silence straight after that, we couldn't quite believe it. So early in the game, I think it was naive defending. I don't want to. I don't think we should point the finger at individuals. No, no, no. It was there were t- there were two at least. First of all, the ball coming across and then two, two defenders, just naive defending. Uh, and that was a bit of a pattern, I have to say, George, through through the tournament. It started against Saudi Arabia with their opening goal. It continued uh, at least one of the goals that China put past us. And then, of course, in, in that uh, that game, uh, the, the final quarterfinal game. And probably we're a little bit fortunate, in the first half against Tajikistan as well to come into the break uh, on even terms.
0: Now that's a very good point. Tajikistan came at us very early. We started the first press and then suddenly it was like a, this uh, cloud had come over the ground and Tajikistan were, went went on this uh, series of marauding raids and our defence just held out. Our keeper did what he needed to do. This is the young man who's just signed with Bayern Munchen and, um, uh, then we got the the goal that gave us the ascendancy, and they went on with that. But you're absolutely right. We, we were most fortunate in that regard. But but what do you put this down to, uh, Pablo? And we're speaking to Pablo Batterson, who's just come back from uh, watching the under-17s in Thailand. And uh, we're getting a bit of a, uh, a review and, uh, and, a, and a sense of just how difficult the conditions were. And, of course, always on television – uh, much easier to sit at home in the comfort of our homes um, in the, in a in a very wintry Australia, and and say to ourselves, uh, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, well, 34 degrees at kickoff time with wow. very high humidity and heavy pitches, uh, except for that final game, that combination. And I know I know it's the same for all teams, but even so. Uh, And these are young lads, 16 and 17. Uh, You know, they're not grown men yet. I was going to say, do we we have
0: two or three 15-year-olds in that squad?
2: I think so, yeah. That's not a Uh, bad effort to have 15-year-olds there. Yeah, and that's bright for the future because they will then uh, step up, hopefully, uh, a lot of them to the young Socceroos squad uh, and then contracts with clubs. Maybe some will go to Europe. And then, of course, the pathway to the Olaroos uh, for future Olympics. And then, hopefully, some of them will step up and eventually make it into the senior ranks. Uh, I mean, that, that, it's, a, it's a long-term project for development of these players. It's a combination of clubs, uh, and, and national teams getting it right and and good agents who pick the right clubs for
0: these kids <laughs> to go to as well. That's a big challenge as well. You're listening there um, to uh, Pablo uh, Picou? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And Pablo, I was just going to ask you, speaking about some of those young players who may have opportunities to, to go abroad and things like that, but obviously Nessarov, uh, Aaron Kundal got lots of the praise, and he was, you know, obviously scoring, I think, was it three or four goals? During yeah, yeah, but double-teamed and yeah, triple-teamed yeah, at times. Yeah, yeah, he was doing all those wonderful things. What other players were the standouts? It doesn't obviously have to just be young from Benny. Australia. Yeah, from Australia, but who were the players that were really standout throughout the tournament?
2: Well, it was young one one young lad of Portuguese background, and I actually talked to his mum in the stands, Tiago Quintal, Ah. and i thought in that first game against saudi in the first half he was one of our best and brad made the decision not to start him and he he he, he delayed introducing him in the quarter final uh until late very late in the game his touch his finesse uh uh tight ball control and so on he's got some vision uh i i really like that style of player ever reminds me of some of the attributes of you know of Nick Carl as uh, that sort of style and 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 we need these technical players um, if we want to match it you know uh, at, at all at all national uh, at all levels with say Japan and they're the benchmark in Asia yeah. I believe uh, we have to produce more technical players people who are players who are comfortable on the ball make good decisions, uh, get into the right spaces and so on. And this is something that Japan, that, uh, the education and the development starts very early. So they've, they've had a head start on us with a long-term strategy and blueprint. Uh, football starts at home as, as part of that. Uh, and uh, we, look, we have to match them technically. I think we've got the physicality and we've got the, the, that Aussie mentality and the physique but no, it's the technical aspects. I think that uh, close ball control, especially, and the first touch, second touch, and so on, uh, and that's a real challenge. But it's an opportunity uh, if we're open uh, to evolving maybe the national curriculum further. Uh, I still think a lot of younger coaches—I'm not talking about the, in the national setup—are still fixated with physicality. Mm. I, I don't think we've We've shaken that off completely.
0: Uh, Pablo Madison is and... our special guest on FNR. Uh, Pablo, my my other thought is, uh, in an area that we occasionally uh, sort of um, uh, lack, uh, we don't seem to have young players who will read the play as well as some of the uh, players we saw in the Japanese side. You can see the moving into into ter- into terrific spots or turning the play at at key times to you know increase the pressure on the defense we we do we move the ball beautifully but at the it's that last pass or it's that second to last pass and you see it going astray or being delayed by a fraction or being overplayed and you sit there and you say another move broken down another promising move broken down did did that rear its ugly head because i think young benny i thought a young manatidis the boy from adelaide certainly showed enormous flair and uh, and great potential.
2: Yeah, look I agree with those comments and observations, George. Uh, I think reading the game. look as I, I reflect on the, my father was many things. he was a teacher, a writer and a football coach and he instilled that in me from a very young age uh, and reading reading the game and that's reflected in good decision ma- making. Also, uh, in spontaneity, when when it's appropriate, uh, and and I and I think in the first half, look, we were completely outplayed. We came back in the second half against Japan. Yep. Uh, but we can we can learn from the, their successes, and and I still think, uh, thinking ahead, that if and when an Asian team wins the, the men's World Cup. And the women have already done it. Uh, I think the Japanese women women's team have, uh, uh, have set the pace. Uh, but for the men, it'll be a Japanese team. I I'm, I, I don't know when, but I think it'll eventually it'll happen. And this reflects their long-term vision and development from young ages right through and the way they nurture them and bring, encourage them and bring them right through. Um, so we can aspire for... For, for developing this sort of nouse if you like mm. uh, and and I think football
0: starts at home george is really important well uh, and to- can't argue with anything that you said there um i I'm, I'm reminded yet again there it's the wander in you the wanderer in you talking uh, are you looking for <laughs> are you looking forward to a, a, a better season uh, because you guys made huge inroads this season in the a-league
2: yeah, I am, but I still think it's going to be hard to get back to what we had before. Um, I mean, it was a, almost a surreal time uh, getting to the final and winning the final of the ACL in 2014, and I was there in that second leg, that momentous second leg in Riyadh uh, to witness that. Um, but I think, you know, there are positive signs because the, the academy at the Wanderers is producing some really good players and the setup up there, and that's becoming almost a, a benchmark for the league. Uh, but I still think we've – I don't like to make predictions. Yes, we're more competitive. Yep. But I'm not too sure about the style of play, uh, okay. uh, George. That's fair enough. Um, I'm not convinced uh, under Rudin the, the style of play. Okay. Um, holds up. Yeah, and yeah. it's not all about just commitment and, and hard work. Of course, hard work and fitness, uh, and and focus is is important. But um, it's getting the right mix. Yeah, um, correct. I mean, we all, a lot of people like to think they, they they're coaches <laughs> um, um, from from the armchairs,
0: um, don't uh, we? But social media uh, has given everyone <laughs> the opportunity to be a professional coach uh, in their in their dreams but it is what it is social media does it it draws the best and the worst out of all of us and you're right i've never seen so many specialist coaches giving my 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 club or or a percy's club you know advice every second of every day and the worst time of the year is right now in between seasons when everyone knows who's the right player to bring in how much money you need to spend and and i'm thinking to myself what do you know of these people? And more importantly, in, in the in the in the in the um, instance of uh, uh, Arsenal and Arteta, uh, uh, he he would have a plan. He would have a plan that he's been putting into, into effect for the last two or three years to get to where they are now. And here we are on the <laughs> sidelines. We know everything. But uh, I'm very interested. Just before we wrap this up, uh, Pablo, and, and thank you very much for finding the time and giving us the opportunity to do a bit of a review. Um, was there much talk about the upcoming Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand while you were away?
2: Oh, most definitely I'm on the terraces and uh, the excitement really is building. Uh, I also talked to a couple of the staff who'll be involved in, in the back room and behind the scenes uh, with the organisation, uh, uh, from within supporting the Matildas. Uh, it's look, it is a once in a potentially a once in a lifetime opportunity on, on home soil. Uh, I got my tickets long a long time ago. <laughs> uh, of course, you did. And and yeah, and then uh, look, I'm excited by it. I think, uh, look, I think the Matildas really do have the chance to win uh, the World Cup. Uh, I don't think we should get ahead of ourselves. And I know they'll take it one game at a time. But on home soil, and we've got momentum, uh, we're, we're settled. We seem to have come to, you know, key players like Ellie Carpenter have come back from that. Uh, horrendous injury, and the, and there are others on the comeback. Kaya so, Simon I is think in that, the
0: squad too. Wow. Yeah, P- yeah. Pakur uh, is still, her, her eyes are rolling. She couldn't believe it.
2: Yeah. Well, she's a legend, and you knew that maturity. And the evidence shows, you probably know this, George, that to win a World Cup, you've got to have the right mix of experience with a few veterans and and youth as well. Uh, that that's the evidence of World Cups uh, over the, probably the last couple of decades. Uh, and, and I think we have got a really exciting mix of the young and the experienced uh, and a few veterans, if you like. Uh, and uh, look, I, I, I'm excited. I, I know I'm not a, a betting person, but I noticed the odds have just been trimmed uh, on the tab for, <laughs> for, uh, for the Matilda's winning the World Cup, oh. which is which is interesting, yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think we'll make it to at least the quarterfinal, probably the semi-final, and
0: then after that, make your own luck yeah. uh, on home soil. Well, Paku has been saying for ages, let's just let's just give them an opportunity to play the game. Uh, she thinks it'd be super exciting if we make it to the the quarters. And then from there on, it's almost a second, another competition from there on, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's a bit
0: like getting through those early stages. Yeah,
1: it's ultimately for the Matildas. If they finish second in their group and then they have to face England, if they beat England, everything from there onwards is, you know, it's just opportunity. 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 Got to take
0: it. Uh, Pablo, thank you very, very much. Good luck with your uh, wanderers. Um, um, And good luck uh, with um, the the recovery uh, that you've been going through. We, we hope the melatonin works tonight and gets, gives you an even longer uh, uh, sleep uh, break. But uh, we really appreciate your uh, contribution on the, the program. Each and every week we talk about the state of the game and it's getting exciting and hearing these youngsters uh, making a, a presence. We saw some lovely young players uh, just give us a glimpse of what's to come. But you're absolutely right. Uh, we have to look at our, at our play, our style of play, and uh, see if we can get that mix right and those final decisions uh, a little sharper than uh, what we've seen. But again, you remind us that the conditions were seriously difficult over there for all the teams, but especially for our young boys who, who discovered what international competition is all about.
2: Yep, certainly a reality check. Yep, but they can go a lot further, and uh, with the right support, the right uh, self-belief, and focus. So, thanks for the opportunity to have the chat, George, and uh, I'll see you at the Women's World Cup, uh, hopefully, and. I- And I'm looking forward to Socceroos recommencing World Cup qualification in November as well.
0: That's right. It's coming. It's absolutely coming. A lot of football. The world game is, uh, as they say, coming at us at 100 miles an hour. Thank you to Pablo. We're going to take a short break. Another guest, Nick Galatas, joining us in just a moment. You're listening to The State of Our Football Nation on FNR.
1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of State of Our Football Nation. We were just uh, lucky enough to uh, have a nice, really nice conversation with Pablo, and I've just completely phased on his last name. But Badison, was- Badison thank yeah, you very yeah. much. And uh, it was a really in- enjoyable conversation. Well, he was under- back
0: from Thailand, where yeah. he watched the uh, the under seventeen um, competition there, and he-, he gave us an insight about uh, the sharpness and the and the quality of the the Japanese. That beat us in that quarterfinal game, three-one. Uh, you also mentioned that there are yeah, some young Australian boys that have got some wonderful skills, but we need a bit more competition, a bit more, yeah. a bit of sharpness, and maybe our coaching staff needs to look at uh, how they put this um, this array of talent together. It's yeah. all about putting a team to play a particular style of football, but then then you want the children or the young the, you know, the young players, whether it be men or women. Um, to um, take the opportunity, take the bit between their teeth, and express themselves.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly. And uh, you've,
0: you've been saying it all year yeah, in competition. No, no, you want all the teams you, you're you watching to express themselves. Yeah, I want
1: them to express and themselves. When they do, and I want you know, a national identity of yep, the way we play to football. Come straight through. And I think the the clearest indication of that is when you see these like under-17, under-15 yep. squads play at in international tournaments, do they look like they have an identity of what the, yep. the, the country yep. represents on the football yep. field? And if you don't see it at a younger age, it's really difficult the older these players to get to get them to play a style of football no, that no. works and 100%. harder for us to achieve things. But, you know, we can only get better from here. So.
0: Speaking of better, uh, some better news coming up uh, regards the National Second Division. And uh, the chair of the AAFC joins us, uh, Nick Galatas. Welcome to the program.
3: Thank you. Thanks, George. Thanks, uh
0: and I and I and I hear that you've scored yourself uh, uh, another entry card. You'll be part of the lineup at Money and Sport on the Gold Coast next
3: week. Yeah, that's right. Um, should be fun. Get away from the office a bit after the <laughs> Gold Coast. Hopefully, it won't rain too much. Now you we'll get, You get, Have you seen the lineup? Oh, I have. I don't think I'll make anywhere the best eleven, George. I, 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 as usual, it'll be a sub.
0: Yeah, I don't believe that. I think you have an awful lot to say. And more importantly, the timing is right. There's so much going on. Pakua has been telling me uh, over the last few weeks that she's hearing more and more, uh, you know, discussion about the game. She's seeing it, um, you know, uh, perpetuated almost everywhere she goes. And she's flying off to Sydney uh, for the Writers' Festival in the next week or two. so. The, word is, there, the to... word is the action is here. Uh, yep. the, the, the original uh, World Cup Women's Trophy is currently touring Queensland and you'll probably see it on the Gold Coast. I think, um, I think they're going to have it there for a few days. Yeah, so. um, yep. When do you arrive, um, Nick? When do you head up to the star?
3: Uh, unfortunately, I haven't given myself a lot of time. I get up there on the Wednesday. So I should have a bit of time on Wednesday, George, and I uh, hope uh, Thursday is the, um, is the event, so that'll be good, and I don't leave until Friday. And then I'm off to New South Wales, So uh, and I'll see Pakua there at the Riders yeah. Thistle. That should be great as well.
0: Well, let me tell you, you're, you're right in the middle of it. I'm, I'm um, getting ready to watch Australia play France, the send-off game at Marvel. Yeah and uh, mm-hmm. we're already told that uh, the record the attendance record will be broken we know that the number stands at 36,000 for to watch uh, you know the Matilda's play in Australia we now know that it'll be 40 plus could well be 50 yeah. and then of course a week later i think they're playing ireland in front of yeah. about 91 92 93,000 so a lot of records are starting to tumble uh, nick which is very exciting Let's talk about money and sport for just a moment. For those of the people that don't know, money and sport has been an annual affair for the better part of the last uh, eight or nine years. Um, it, it, Of course, it was uh, suspended uh, during COVID, which <laughs> explains why we haven't seen too much of it. Uh, much much of the uh, major corporate businesses, uh, you know, was on, uh, on hold for two or three years during COVID. But we've got international guests. We've got some of the best speakers, who know not only the business of sport, but are representing some of the biggest codes in the world from all over the world. And you'll be right in the middle of it. Um, What will you be talking about, Nick?
3: Well, can I say, George, just, uh, well, obviously, uh, football will be the focus and NSD will be the focus, but a bit more than that, I hope, because I'm involved in in sport in a slightly wider way than that in my capacity as, um, as a lawyer and in sports law. But obviously, uh, my main involvement to date has been in, um, in you know, football and the National Second Division. So yep, yep. I'll leave that to what the guys want to discuss. But can I say in support of what you've just said about money in sport that I went to the inaugural one in Melbourne many years ago, and at the really old Telstra
0: Dome is that the right?
3: Uh, yeah, at the old Telstra Dome I yep, was there. Yep. And it might have been one or two years before Lou moved it to the Gold Coast, which made it That's slightly correct. harder for yep. when I was flat out back in those days. Uh, and then, as you say, COVID hit. So there's been a gap. So I'm looking forward to going up again. Um, I think it's a great oh. format. Uh, it gives people a chance to speak on uh, official panels and also around the traps, so to speak, and exchange some great ideas. And I think uh, these types of events are very, very important for sport in general and and football in particular. So I can't wait for it. Really, and it's the
0: networking too, Nick. It's the networking that uh, that I think is is fantastic. If you're in, the, if your business is sport, and you're not a participant or you haven't managed to get yourself a, a, a an entry card, you're missing a golden opportunity.
3: Absolutely. I think that's right. I think anyone who's got uh, an interest in the game and sport in general should get up there.
0: And I noticed I that Football Australia are, are going to be uh, right there, front and centre.
3: Yep. Yep, they will. Should be good.
0: Now, what are we what are we hearing? What's the latest? The state of play regarding the national second division. I understand that they're they're trimming the uh, the number of of, of of clubs, or is it uh, uh, another selection process that we're all going through that we need to know about?
3: Well, it's all part of what um, Football Australia announced um, a while ago, George, back in February. So this is consistent with the original timetable, more or less. Yep. I don't want to you know, get stuck into days and weeks, but more or less for a start next year. So that's still the plan. Uh, so what, uh, as you might remember, back in February when it was announced, the, um, the EOI, the expression of interest was announced, um, all sorts of clubs applied. Um, FA whittled that down by a little bit only, down to 26 applicants uh, about know, early May, nearly two months ago now, seven or eight weeks ago. And the next phase was always going to be this phase that started, which is the request for proposal phase where FA has invited those clubs who um, were in its twenty-six to um, uh, participate in this next phase. And that's now commenced. So that was commenced about a week ago. Uh, what, what's today, Thursday? Yeah, about – I've lost track of time, George. 29th today. To yeah, so about a week ago, the clubs were notified and that process has commenced where, you know, they're signing some documents and they're, they're um, uh, attending to some requirements of FA so that they can then take part fully in this next phase. Um, FA has appointed a consultant um, and to assist FA in this process, so they will assess the applications. I don't know, 426 applicants will, will go ahead. I'm expecting they will until they, anyone says they're not. Mm-hmm. and FA will assess it, and it will go from there. And hopefully we will have a, a, um, a selection process that will pick the best applicants. And uh, also, this is the process that, based on the applicants, I think we need a bit of work to do still on the design of what this model will ultimately look like. You would have seen in the papers that's not yet absolutely settled. And I think, um, logically, uh, FA will take into account um, the capability and availability of applicant clubs to settle that final model And, you know, and um, uh, yeah, so that's what it's up to at the moment.
1: Nick, I was just wondering with the, obviously, this next phase, is there a number in which FAF, they're thinking about, this is the amount of clubs that will be sustainable for this to be a viable option, like with the money involved and also not having too many clubs where the competition just becomes a little bit too muddled, but also not having too little amount of teams. Is there a number that they're... You,
3: there's um, kind of worked on the Cinderella compact. Um, look, <laughs> I mean, they've mentioned eight in the past as a minimum, but look, obviously with the number of applicants, there will be more than that. In my view, I mean, I, I don't know, obviously who's what what it would look like, but if um, I've talked, I think uh, I think publicly, anywhere between ten to sixteen. Yes, correct. So yeah. we're, we're hopeful. I mean, I'm, I'm personally hopeful it'll be closer to sixteen than ten to 14 obviously to have a competition if you play each other twice let's say you know we know what the numbers are if you've got 14 it's 26 games that would be great 12 22 games um so that you want enough games for that for uh, what we all expect will be initially young squads and young players getting goes at playing at this level and you started out talking under 17s and what pablo was talking about and you know good young players coming through so we're hoping for a good comp that might last 22 to 26 weeks and that's what we're looking at at
0: the moment it's interesting you talked about uh, the under-17s there or you or you mentioned it uh, some of that football was very exciting uh, the yeah. the Japanese showed us yet again uh, how well versed they are in these in this modern uh, form of the game they play it uh, fast they play it uh, with uh, real flair and poise that's the thing you see on almost all their faces they seem to know what they're going to do next we're Some of our our, our players, and and admittedly some of our boys who were only 15, you could see they're still finding their feet in international competition. Mm. Um, So uh, for me, there's an enormous amount of talent. We've just got to make sure that uh, we don't get too greedy and we do give them the opportunity to not only to blood that talent but to allow them to find a comfort zone, so they can express themselves, which is that thing that that, that Pico keeps reminding me. She gets super excited when she sees players have the confidence to express themselves, and that's what you. That's what we ask of anyone, don't we? Even in business, you want people, your employers or your employees, to be in that that lovely space, that mind that mindset too that they're there, you're employing them because they're good at their craft and then you let them do what they're meant to do. Yeah, that's That to me is always about good business, uh, employing good, good business. talent and then delegating uh, the stuff that needs to be delegated and then letting them get on with it. And I'd like to see that in our football too.
3: And George, what what was exciting? And I've seen a bit of it, uh, a, bit, a few of the games. Obviously, like we all are, from a distance, and we get to see bits and pieces. and <laughs> yeah. much I mean, the goal, the, the goal, for example, that we all we all admire. That's made on all the clips and Nistorirokunda oh. cracker again. Finer. Oh. But w- what I loved about it, and I think what's and I and I say this all the time about such goals, and in particular when it's a young player like like Nistori who scored it, and that yep. is that he actually thought he actually thought he would. It's, you know, it's not so much that, it, that yeah you that's the good to, that's you, good to put your foot through it and hit the top corner from whatever it was 30 meters but I'm, I just try to think what would I have been like at, at the age of 17 where I thought I could receive a ball in that position and think you know what I think I score this <laughs> um and, and and it just takes a special sort of i think self-awareness knowledge yeah, confidence yeah. etc just to not just hit it but to actually think you might and i think that that's what's underrated and underestimated so um, to see that was just super exciting I mean it's just I think any kid seeing that is going to think just I'd love to play and give myself a chance oh yeah so that's, that's exciting uh, but you, a, you I just want to say go ahead yeah I just want to say the second division though, it's more it's it's everything it's what you've said about those young players that's a given we want to give as many young guys a chance and, and women yeah. if, of course yeah. second division, a chance um, to play which you know we can, we can talk about it all day and that's that's a given as I say but it's what also you said before at the beginning about Pakua walk going around the country and football being spoken about, be it Matilda's, be it whatever, the game. Yep. And, and what we're hopefully going to achieve is just by creating another national comp, playing when it's going to be played at planned at the moment in March, to give us an all round football discussion in this country, not just A League Matilda's W you know, A League women's Um, national second division hopefully women's just create that conversation that continuity of conversation when if you if we didn't have the the Matildas this year as we uh, thankfully we do in the World Cup but you take that out of the equation and there's no second division talk the A-League's in hibernation for six months effectively or whatever it Mm, is mm. we don't get that continuity of discussion so hopefully this country will and the participants that are involved, we keep talking about the 2 million participants, but the participants, the viewers, the, the competitions, if we grow those um, and we have that conversation, then you get a momentum of its own. We don't have to worry about creating it. It will happen. So that, that's part of what we hope to achieve.
0: No, you're absolutely right. The, the, genesis, the genesis is the discussion going on right now. Once the competition gets underway, it's a unique opportunity for each and every club to embark on a journey – and it'll be history. This is something else we need to remember. I can remember I'm old enough to remember the early days of the Phillips League and how exciting that was. I even I'm even old enough to remember the Ampole Cup in the original stages and, and was looking at me and going, Ampole Cup, what are you talking about? But mm. they were super exciting. And this is this is where things get truly immersive. If you follow them, and if they're your they're your, they're your team or your club, uh, you, you you can't let it go. That energy seeps into every pore, doesn't it? Um, can I just and tell I, you? I can I... I tell you how excited I am right now? Because there's a young guy called Ange Postecoglou, who's reached a level of um, international renown that Australia is going to be on everyone's lips every day of the next EPL season for only one reason. There's an Australian there making a noise and half of his staff is going to be Australian. Yeah. Miller, yet uh, yet. Uh, yep. Miller yet, Can you imagine um, yep. how much talk there will be in in every element of our media over the next EPL season? Yep.
3: No, it's unbelievable. Oh. And, awesome. and you know
0: what? There's a, there's a that South Melbourne will get a few mentions. Do you think?
3: I'll oh, mention here and there.
0: I think. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, no, no, no. The, the reason I mention that is because they're going to be one of the clubs pitching for the national second division. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So now suddenly yeah. we have this yeah. wonderfully woven thread that begins mm-hmm. there and runs all the way to the EPL.
3: And what um, there's a lot of a lot of things you've touched on there, George. But one, one of them is that um, I mean, Andrew's journey has been one of continuity oh. and in, an incremental achievement, and oh, everyone yeah. forgets. It. I mean, if you're looking at when uh, he was here 14, 15 years ago, before he got the Brisbane Royal job, yep. having come back from overseas, yep. nobody then would be predicting where he'd be now. And I, I use him as an example to say to my daughter and others and say, don't look at 30 years from now or 20. Just look at it step by step. Look Correct. at what you're going to achieve next. Correct. And part of that is, of course, the clubs themselves that we're talking about—the second division clubs that are coming through and applying—they've done the same. They've hung in there. A lot of, I mean, South Melbourne you use as an example, and I obviously know South very well, having been a chairman there for many years. And that, you know, that club came out of the NSL, uh, finding its way in what was the VPL, then the NPL, uh, and is still there, and is just working away through the steps, through the process, and that's just how it works. And you get, to, you get to be available and be ready to take the next opportunity. And that doesn't happen if you're not there and you're not surviving. And I think with the clubs, that's what they've demonstrated. I think one of the stories that will come out of this at the end, George, when it's all done and dusted and we're looking back on it, I want to say two things about it. One is the fact that these clubs that we're now relying on, and I've made this point publicly time and again, um, have survived a very, very difficult arid, if I can say, period, yes. where... They, they've had a ceiling, they've been told where they are, they've been placed in a box, mm. and nevertheless, they're still here. And now we're relying on them. That's and the right. other thing I want to say in connection with that, and this is the historic part, and I think, again, perhaps it hasn't yet hit people, but they've they've come together um, as what we've termed our partner group as part of AAFC. That's a bunch of them. That, you know, we've had 30-odd in our group. But of the 26 uh, applicants that you've seen now, If you include the three or four South Australian teams as part of the FSA bid, uh, there's about 24 of those clubs or 25, or give or take, are our members. Nearly all of them um, are our members. And what they've demonstrated is an ability to cooperate and collaborate to achieve this. Now, I reckon this is a historic first. The the game has is unfairly maligned, with clubs accused of you know acting in their own interest and not being collaborative and not being supportive of the game. Tell me another time in another set of clubs anywhere who've come together from their position they've been in and stuck together for years through this process to see this through, knowing this touches on Pakul's earlier question, knowing that most of them, in fact, at least half of them, aren't going to be in the starting lineup, so to speak. Right? So you've got 26 of them there, 27, 28. You might have a comp of 12 to 14. So say half won't start. And yet here they are cooperating together, working together to design the best possible model for all of them. And a lot of them are going to say, right, we're not going to start, but we'll get promoted into it later. Now, that, I think, is exemplary, Mm -hmm. and a time will come when everyone will look back and understand it. I don't expect them to understand it now because they're not as involved in it as I am and I can see it, but that's been the most heartening thing. And I think when the time will come when people are going to look back and say, geez, it was those 20 or 30 clubs that got together and pressed this and advocated for it, and created, really made it policy at FA and then are working now to make it happen. When it happens, when it succeeds and they've got a great competition up and going three, four years from now, and we've got a unified game, that's when I think people will realise the, the magnitude of what these clubs have achieved.
1: And you talk about the unified game because I was going to touch on to this point about I'm assuming the ultimate goal is to have the National Second Division be successful on its own and show that it's a sustainable model and then ultimately create a, a more linked up pyramid a with, with the, yeah. the A-Leagues and with promotion and relegation because that is the way in which football is ultimately most successful all, all around the world. And you were talking about the these young players and obviously we're going to see a lot of young players. Is the... Goals to have young players, but also the right mix of having experienced players. So then the competition is viable and doesn't become yeah, yeah, it doesn't become uh, just the, the development league, which is important, but it doesn't have enough competition towards those A League clubs. If an well, 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 interesting thought.
3: absolutely, absolutely. And when I said young players before, I, I don't for a minute believe. And it's again, it won't be me that picks the team, so I don't know what the club's going to do. Right but i don't I don't I think if you set the right model, the rest will look after itself yeah, and no good. really we don't need, and I think we had this discussion a while ago when the um the second division was being contemplated before it was announced, and everybody was looking at what its aims are and its objectives, and we spoke then about everyone spoke then about young players be it Graham Arnold, you know our national coach was talking about opportunities. Uh, to Football Australia, to us, to clubs, but it's not about that many. When you let's say you've got twelve to fourteen clubs, and you've got twenty players per club, and you've got what's that, two or three hundred players? Of course, they're not all going to be young, and you don't need them all to be because we're not going to have that many that need to come through that are champions. I mean, if some are playing in the A League, obviously, some will be playing overseas, um, and then if we've got the best of the rest who are who aren't getting a game somewhere or you know develop at different rates. That's enough. You don't need to build a team of, you know, 17-year-olds. This is all about having a commercial viable competition which fans will go and watch and enjoy, and the quality needs to be decent. And that means, as you said, Pakua, a mix of players. Mm -hmm. And there's 25, 28, 30-year-olds, and the young players benefit from them. You you, you need them in the dressing room. You need their experience, their know-how. And it's not about just getting kids playing together because then they don't develop. So you you need those kids, the best of them, with the experienced guys next to them, so to actually test them and help them develop.
0: The voice of reason, uh, Nick Galatas, the uh, chair of uh, AAFC, uh, getting ready to head off to the Gold Coast uh, to I be. Get part that on of-
3: my card, George. The voice of reason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to, to be part of the uh, new money in sport uh, sports conference happening at the Star Casino on the Gold Coast. Uh, I think it's the seventh of July. Listen, have a wonderful time. Uh, some of us uh, have other commitments that won't allow us to get up there. Um, you know when when this uh, money and sport was first announced uh, I, Lou reached out to me and said, will you come up and host it?" I said, of course I will And of course since then things have changed. Uh, but mate I've seen the lineup and I'm super excited. Um, I'm delighted you're getting up there. Uh, please enjoy it and bring back some good news. And we'll get a chance to debrief uh, a, a little bit later on. But all the very best. Thank you for making yourself available for today. Um, yep. a- anytime we can update the um, FNR audience as to what's happening with the National Second Division, we will do it. And uh, once again, thank you for reminding us about where the stories start and, um, uh, and what a fabulous adventure lies around the corner. Let's be patient. Let's get it right. And let's get it going. Okay.
3: Thank you both. Enjoy. All
0: Thank the you. very best. Nick Galatas on FNR. Um, Pakua, um, we started uh, talking about your fabulous Arsenal. Yep. Can they, with the added names over the last week or two, and you've added a few, yep. uh, can you now, understanding too that you're going to be in the European competition, right, yes. Champions League, which wasn't a competition you were a part of last year,
1: Yep. Correct. Just Europa. Just Europa, 12. but
0: a bit, slightly different yeah. focus. Yeah, um, do you think now that you've got the hardware to go along with the the style of play to to not finish off what you started because you had a you went beautifully until yeah. the, just the very end. Do you think, think you've got the, the key parts now?
1: I think so, but I'm a little bit nervous because obviously we're getting Declan Rice in and we've got Kai Herberts in for their midfield. But the problem we have right now is that both Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey are going to leave the club before the start of the season. So now we need to find replacements of the people who would have been on our bench. So, ah. so I'm nervous, but I am optimistic about heading into next season.
0: Yeah, and I'm always I'm always fascinated when you wear the colours of another EPL <laughs> yes. club. Um, what I am bad. I to make of an Arsenal fan who wears Chelsea colours? Do you know
1: what it is, George? I only wear shirts of other teams if a Ghanaian player has played in that team. Oh, of course. So of I, it's course. more of a, so a Ghana. So it's,
0: it's you paying homage yeah, exactly. homage to the, the great Ghanaians who've played. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. And in this instance, who are we paying homage to?
1: Obviously, Michael Essien. I don't know if you're oh. playing this specific shirt, but I always think of Michael Essien when I wear the shirt, though. <laughs>
0: Now you know more about uh, Pakua Frimpong than you ever imagined you were (laughs) going to know. Uh, Pakua, until next week, thank you very much. We trust you've enjoyed it. Two special guests and two different perspectives, but all wrapped around this round ball game that we love so much. You're listening to The State of Our Football Nation on FNR.